Welcome to the Literacy Fellows Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gabriel. We have a great show for you today. This is an episode from our first series, which is focused on doing intervention online. We have a huge diversity of experiences and ideas in this series, and this show I'm particularly excited about because we actually get to talk about writing intervention. You know, there's only a small handful of research-based approaches to really actively supporting students' writing development. And today we get to talk to an experienced, board-certified teacher describe how she's reimagined multimodal, multi-language writing instruction for her students online. I'll ask her to introduce herself in a moment, but I am so excited for you to hear from Elise. You're going to love her. I love that she took time away from planning a princess-themed birthday party for her daughter just to give us a sneak peek at what she's got cooking for literacy learning over there in Kentucky. So here we go. Thank you for joining us. Tell us a little about yourself. Hi, I am a teacher for the deaf and hard of hearing. And I live in Frankfort, Kentucky. I actually teach one county over in Shelbyville, Kentucky. And I'm an itinerant teacher, which means I serve all ages. Um, we serve preschool all the way to 12th grade. Wow. This is my 13th year teaching. Lucky you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, have my, I do have my national boards um, for deaf and hard of hearing birth to age 21. Um, I've taught in different settings. I've taught in... Um, just an elementary setting where I was the deaf and hard of hearing teacher for that school and went into the classes and pulled the kids. Mm -hmm. I've also taught in a self-contained special separate school for deaf and hard of hearing kids. That was, you had to be deaf and hard of hearing to even get in. And it was for preschool and kindergarten. That was very language rich environment. So I had my own class there, um, usually about six to eight kids. Um, but it was very intense need. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I went to itinerant, which is gives you a little freedom as a teacher because you travel from school to school. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also hard to keep up with all of the different classroom plans and the different school schedules and everything. Is teaching online or over distances uh, new to you or is this something that you have done before in your career? I have never done this before. Mm -hmm. Our county has always had NTI days. That's what we call non-traditional instruction. Mm -hmm. So we've always done it for mm -hmm. snow days um, okay. and things like that. So we didn't have to make them up. So I am used to making like a little packet or something for two or three days in case it snows. But we've never, of course, done it this long, and we've never done it to the point where special ed teachers need to, you have to monitor your goals now, distance-wise. Okay. So as a special ed teacher in the state of Kentucky, and I'm sure all of the states are dealing with this, you have to monitor the goals now. You have to still make the IEP deadlines, meet the guidelines for all these things. So we're trusting the parents to help us take the data and do the things kind of, I mean, it's just uncharted territory, but um, we're doing the best we can. All right. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing. How have you thought about um, solving this complex problem as an educator? So we've done two weeks of distance learning already. We mm -hmm. had two weeks of distance learning and then now a spring break. <laughs> Congratulations. We're going for another month after this at least. So <clears throat> So before we left, we kind of knew this was coming from our governor. So I went ahead for my students and printed packets and got them started on there, like showed it to them and got them started on their assignments. Mm -hmm. um, but I've also sent them all the links and the Google documents and things like that. Our county is 
um, unique around here because every student has their own device mm -hmm. and every student has Google Classrooms and Google uh, Drive and everything like that. So we already had that set up where the students know how to share their files with me and do things like that. My youngest one that I'm doing distance learning with right now is third grade. Mm -hmm. And the oldest one that I'm working with right now is eighth grade. But um, the, I'd say the third grader does struggle with how to do those things technically. Mm -hmm. So I went ahead and made the younger ones like a paper packet mm -hmm. for the first two weeks to send home. Mm -hmm. um, this mm -hmm. is the first time I've been teaching deaf and hard of hearing kids ever that almost all except for one of my families is from a Spanish speaking home. So they're bilingual or trilingual if they sign. Oh. And so it's hard to explain to the parents how to click on the link and do the things. Yeah. And the children and the parents sometimes may or may not be able to communicate with each other as well. Wow. That's a <laughs> so, whole other layer of complexity. So I'm on Google Translate all the time trying to text them in Spanish. So every morning we do a flip grid for our whole deaf and hard of hearing team. So we can like say, hey, what are, what are you doing today? Or what'd you eat for breakfast? And they can nice. do a quick little video and talk to each other and like connect that way. Awesome. Um, going forward, some of my students don't have internet access still, so I am going to have to like print and send them packets. Mm -hmm. But um, we, I have a Raz Kids account, which is reading A to Z online. And that way, that's how they're going to read to me. I can hear them in real time. I can do words per minute. I can do fluency. I can do all those things. And they've used it before um, back mm -hmm. uh, in the winter, so they should know how to do that. Mm -hmm. already assigned books on their level and things like that. Parents have been able to log in before. So that's going to kind of count as my reading time for now. Mm -hmm. um, spelling City is what we're working on for spelling time. That's free right now. Everything is free right now, which is helpful. Yeah. Um, but for writing, I've really struggled because I've been working very hard on CWE, the Strategic Interactive Writing Instruction for Deaf and Hearing Kids. Um, this is my first year as a teacher. and Congratulations. Hey, so we just got into the persuasive piece. We had done mm -hmm. persuasive work before we left. I was able to introduce it, read some mentor text, show them examples. So that is helpful that we were already able to start the unit. Now it's really hard because I have PDF files. I have different documents, Word documents. How are they going to type into that for me to see in real time how they're mm -hmm. responding to my organizers or you know whatever I have that we usually go through so what I decided to do after trying to manipulate all these documents online was mm -hmm. to um, put them all in a PowerPoint so it'll be like week three day one week three day two and I have mm -hmm. videos embedded I have pictures embedded like the rubric or a video of here's how to brainstorm a persuasive. And there's some great ones already made online with like visuals wow. that will help and they have to have closed captions. So I picked the videos with closed captions. Right on. And, um, and then I have taken the pictures, like I've taken a screenshot of the, the like the organizer we would use mm -hmm. for like, a persuasive piece to show them what order to put their ideas. So I take a screenshot and then I embed all these text boxes where they can type back to me. So what I'm hoping is I'm making one of these for each student and I can pull up the PowerPoint and they will be typing directly in there for me to see their progress. Wow. So it's and, like a deck per kid, like a deck of slides per kid. Yes. And it's essentially like a visual representation of your lesson mm -hmm. in multimedia formats. Like you have the 
visuals with text with images and videos all in there and like i can say remember these mentor texts that we read and i have pictures of like i want it wanna the book that we read mm. and then i have a new one and i have if they click on the picture it will read it to them and then i have one that if you click on it'll read you in sign language so i'm trying to make it accessible to everyone all at the same time and i know they have to be able to do it on their own they have yes. to because their parents honestly they're at home alone because their parents are working or mm -hmm. they have a language barrier where they cannot mm -hmm. so i have to make it easy enough that any kid can do this and click through on their own wow and then hopefully we'll have some like zoom meetings and um so what i have done already mm -hmm. is i've had zoom meetings where i try to go into the google docs and do the edits that's confusing for them. They don't know how to accept it or not, or what all these comments on the side are. Mm. Never did that in the classroom. So I try to talk them through the edits that I suggested or things like that. But um, we have like Zoom meetings where we can catch up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. too. So like the PowerPoint will lead them through. And then if I see on the PowerPoint how things are going and I'm like, no, oh, that's not the way we needed to go. Then I can say like, let's have a Zoom meeting today and see how you're doing on your writing. Nice. I really like this idea that they are independent, but you can pop in at different points. How different is that from the timing of when you would see them normally? Do you see all your kids every day? You do. I see all my students every day. We have right. at least 30 to 40 minute block for writing. My younger students are all together in a group. And then my oh. older, like my middle school students are in separate buildings mm -hmm. and it's based on like their home address and stuff. So. Mm -hmm it's really different. It's hard for me to like give the control over like, did I teach them enough writing skills throughout the year that they can sustain this without getting frustrated? Because for deaf and hard of hearing students, writing is just the most challenging. There's never, ever, ever a time that they write something that someone's not going to say, you spelled that wrong, that grammar's not correct, your English doesn't look right. So they are kind of deflated about their writing already, you know? So I spent the whole year like trying to make it cool and the writing club and building up their self-esteem just to where they would write. And mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, here, do it on your own. And um, <laughs> a little I nervous about that, but hopefully um, they can like not just sustain their attention to it, but still enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. When they're writing at home, persuasive. We just started persuasive. Mm -hmm. And my little group, my elementary, third, fourth, and fifth graders wanted to write to the principal to say, after state testing, let's go to House of Boom on a field trip. I mean, it'll make all the kids work harder, don't you think? Mm. And so that's what we started. And now there's no state testing. We might not go back. So that one's kind of off the table. Mm -hmm. um, another student wrote to her, my sixth grader wrote to her art teacher to say, we should make slime in art class. Don't you think <laughs> it would be so fun? All the kids would love it. And he told her he was thinking about it. So she already got a response. Which oh, was wow. That's awesome. And she wrote, and so her next one on her own, we set up before we left was to write to her parents. She wanted a puppy. I <laughs> love me for this one, but um, she already wrote it and I edited it and she said she gave it to him. So next week, you know, I'll find out how that all went. You may see a puppy on the Zoom screen. <laughs> I don't know. They have so many. Oh, do they have a lot of dogs? <laughs> they have like chicks and all, just all the things though. So. Oh, so they're writing about things they pick, right? Is that the So deal? that's, how I try to make it something that they pick and then mm -hmm. they come up with. I do give them examples. Like when we did a recount, I 
put in real life pictures. My family had gone to Disney over the summer. So I said, this is what we did. And I made a little slideshow and got them excited to give them examples. We read like actual books, you Mm -hmm. know, like children's books or something for examples or what other classes do. Mm -hmm. When we did information, it was very exciting because we were in a postcard exchange with every state in the United States. So a classroom from Alaska and New Mexico and all these places would send us postcards and then we had to write one about Kentucky and send it. Wow. That's it was, super cool. Very exciting. I and love that. One they would be like, you have to read it. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. <laughs> I want to be in a postcard exchange. That's a great idea. <laughs> I was just thinking what? about like, does my town have postcards? I've never looked for postcards at home, you know? <laughs> Why mm-hmm. would you? But I thought that might be like a fun thing to do to send to like kids that you know, kids, kids I know, godchildren or whatever, um, while everybody is stuck at home, a little home postcard. Um, I'm going to have to figure out where you would find that when you're not like going to an airport or something. But I actually got ours on Amazon. You did? Because they, I wanted ones with the state map and they were oh. on Amazon. I just bought them. And- hey, that's great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Pro tip. Um, <laughs> Speaking of pro tips, are there any things that you've discovered about um, stuff that's available online that you either didn't know about before or are really excited to use that you did know about before that you think other teachers should know about? Um, I love, love, love Rise Kids and it's expensive Mm -hmm. and my district would not purchase it for me. So I kept Mm -hmm. having the free (laughs) version. So I'm really excited that that's free for the end of the year. And there's so much good feedback you can get. Um, I would say even like my daughters in second grade Mm -hmm. for the teachers to be able to see in real time. And her teacher tries to call every student and listen to them read. And I'm like, they could just read into this app for you. It records their voice. You could Mm -hmm. do a frequency count, like done, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I do think that, well, there's one that I really like that I just found. My daughter's just obsessed with it. It's called Mystery Doug or Mystery Science. Also, have mm-hmm. you heard of this? No, I haven't. There's like that. so like zillions of questions like, are unicorns real? Why do we have a skull? And every week they come out with a question and then there's like video answers, a little science in it, but just like common sense things too. And then at the end, the kids can vote for what the next video is going to be and submit their own questions. Wow. And my daughter just loves this. And I thought I could find something probably on any topic here. Like if I wanted to tie it to writing, reading, science, math, like measurement, anything, anything I wanted, I could find one of those fun little videos for them to watch. And that's free. That's very cool. Tell me what it's called again one more time. Mystery Doug. Wow. O-U-G. That's the guy who does all the videos. Mm, Doug is in the name. I was thinking, I was picturing Doug like, an archaeological dig. (laughs) Okay. We'll put a link to that in the show notes so that people can find it. That's awesome. Um, I think what's cool about that is that it allows for the interaction that we're missing most of the time when you're doing distance learning, you're sending a packet, which is sort of a one-way thing. Um, And I hear that also in your excitement about RAS kids that like it's not just pushing it out to the kids, but they can send something back to you and you can go back and forth and anything that gets that back and forth interaction um, seems like it's better than, um, than not. So tell me about how you thought about that um, in particular with kids who are working across languages uh, who need a lot more opportunities for interaction, not just pure exposure, but the back and forth part. 
Flipgrid really helps. Even my like older eighth grade student is mm -hmm. on the Flipgrid as soon as I put it. She responds to everyone else's questions. I think they just like being able to see each other and talk to each other that way. Um, explain what Flipgrid is for anybody who hasn't used it before. So Flipgrid is like, um, it's like a little tiny miniature, maybe one and a half minute video that you can make. Mm -hmm. What I do is I type a question of the day. Flipgrid actually has a feature, like if my students are too young to read that question, mm -hmm. you can click and it'll read to you and highlight the words. Mm -hmm. and, oh, nice. um, <clears throat> and it's free, of course it's free. And um, then I send out the link to all of my students and the parents in the morning, I will usually record my response. So if I say like, what did you have for breakfast today? Mm -hmm. Just whatever random question I'll respond. And then when the students respond, I can reply to theirs. So how I respond is I record a little video. You can put stickers and emojis and all kinds of things in this video if you really want to, but it's no more than about one minute. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then the students can reply to each other or they can reply to me. And that just goes on throughout the day for us then the next day I'll put up a new question oh. and um, they love it just so they can like hear from each other and interact mm -hmm. with each other. I love it because they still feel connected and I just feel like that way I can kind of check in with them, like keep their spirits up or give them something to do. My daughter just loves it because she'll respond to every single kid in her classes mm -hmm. <laughs> question just so she feels like she's talking to them. So, um, I think it's just a great way to keep connected. I do um, make sure on that. I It's kind of annoying to have to put a password in every time, but I did password protect ours because ours is for all the deaf and hard of hearing kids and that mm -hmm. kind of gets into confidentiality and stuff. So I did make sure to do that. That's really smart. That's really, really good. But and I, I am learning all these things like in real time. So I'm trying to support the students, but also the teachers. Like I have to email the teachers and say, if you have a Zoom meeting, you have to invite the interpreter. Like you, uh, ha you have to, or yeah. like in Zoom, Zoom is not great for our students. There's no caption option. It's not great. So I like Google Hangouts or Google Meet now is what it's mm -hmm. called because the captioning is better and it's real time. So they can at least read the words if they aren't understanding you. Wow. And so those are like little technical things I have to also remind the teachers of while they have 10,000 other things in their head that they're <laughs> trying to do. I'm sure they appreciate that. And but, doing um, things too. Yeah, yeah. So in Google Meet, um, the captioning is automatic. Yeah, like you can click the little CC button at the bottom and it'll start captioning what everyone says. But wow. it's also a feature in Google, just like like if I had a Google Doc open or a slideshow open and you can click the caption option mm -hmm. on the menu bar and it'll start captioning. Like if I'm the teacher and I'm sitting by the um, computer giving a presentation, my deaf mm -hmm. students can have it up and have the Google caption on and see all the words that I'm saying. Wow. Which is good. I mean, yes, they figure out ways to misuse this also, you know, but as they, do, as they yeah, do, sure. talk to their friends or do whatever they want. But, um, so Google does, and I will say, I haven't tried it, my meeting right after this is in Google Meet, mm -hmm. but um, I will say that it is, the Google captions just regularly, like in the Google Drive when you're on documents and stuff, mm -hmm. is pretty accurate. It's not horrible. Okay. Good, good, good. Yeah, I, you know, people have said those things will get better and better for a long time, so I'm glad that they're at a place where they're usable. That's really good. Um, is there anything else that you have discovered that you feel like other teachers should know about? 
Um, I don't know resource wise if there's more things, but I have really thought that this might be a great thing. I'm, this might be a great thing, especially in re regards to like reading and writing. I'm always right there to catch them. I'm always right there to help them. I'm always saying, oh, like my face will change instantly if the subject verb agreement isn't correct. I'm not trying to give them hints, but maybe I do, you know what I mean, in the classroom. And now they're having to do it on their own. It's kind of could be empowering for them. It could show me that they can do a lot more than I thought. Mm -hmm. And I just think this is a really good chance if I can make the slides and all the resources accessible enough, mm -hmm. this is a really good chance for me to see what they can do on their own. I'm gonna miss the, the fun things like where we interact and I'm always trying to sabotage them and like put the wrong word in the sentence and mm -hmm. see if they catch me and like do fun things like that. I won't be able to do that because let's be honest, this is confusing enough. We don't need to add <laughs> that in. But I do think like this is a really good chance for me to say like, wow, look at you, look how, look how well you wrote that. Like, and you did that. I wasn't with you at all. You know, you did that on your own. Mm -hmm. So I noticed with the first round of persuasive with my sixth grader, she was taking pictures on her Chromebook and mm -hmm. sending me like, as she did her brainstorming and organizing and like, she was so proud of herself. So wow. I really was excited to see that. Wow. So at the same time that we're like, grasping for anything that uh, provides more interaction. This independence thing is maybe not the worst thing in the world. In fact, it might be um, something that we take back with us when, um, when we do have the chance to interact face-to-face. -to, -face, to like, uh, it's, it's been a theme actually across the interviews that um, one of the things that teachers are excited about is seeing what kids can do, what they can do with technology, what they can do with solving problems adults are having difficulty solving around how do we live like this? Um, but also what they can do when you're not, you know, right there at their elbow to help them. Um, yeah, it's a nice uh, reminder that some of the ways that we've thought about doing support um, were like based on a set of assumptions that are locked within a school building. And those assumptions might make sense for school, but they don't necessarily make sense for all the time. And I think especially the idea about um, that instruction has to be every day, that it has to be, you know, 45 minutes, that it has to be, um, you know, bound by time and the calendar and in a schedule and that reading has to happen in the morning. Otherwise, you know, everything goes, you know, everything just blows up. We have all of these assumptions about the way we're supposed to do instruction in school that are not doable anymore. And I think we are going to find some things that are surprising and that are, um, that like brings some freedom and hopefully more independence to kids. Uh, and I don't, I can't really predict what else, but I, I love that idea that um, the way that we have offered support in the past, um, we might learn that it's not actually necessary in that way. That's super I mean, teachers are always trying to pull back mm. and give less support, but you know, we inadvertently do it all the time. Because of that human yeah. Right. So right. like we literally can't now. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I guess we'll see what happens. <laughs> we sure will. All right. Cool. People, thank you so much again for being with us on the podcast. I'm really excited for people to get to hear some of the things you had to say. And I wish you a very special princess party. <laughs> thank you so much. Right. Bye. Thanks, Elise. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it, folks. That's it for this chat. You can find Elise's contact information by navigating from our website, which is reading.education.uconn.edu, and clicking on podcast. We also have a transcript of this podcast available and links to some of the tools and ideas mentioned here. 
Don't forget to like, subscribe, download, share, and check back here next week for a new podcast series from your UConn Literacy Fellows. Thanks for listening.